Welcome to the River City Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us. We hope this helps you know God in your life. Now join Pastor Chris Nelson as he delivers God's Word. I need to settle down. Everybody's about to get carried away again. I'm going to tell you what, last couple of weeks we've had the presence of God in this place in such a mighty way. I'm just pumped about it. I'm pumped to get to be here this morning. By the way, a guy you just saw up there, Linus, Linus, y'all, y'all may not realize this. He sits over here. He just got here this morning. This morning, he just ran his first half marathon and then came to church. Now listen to this. Small group plug for you real fast. He has a running small group, so if anybody wants to start running marathons, y'all go to his uh, running small group. Oh, no, never mind. Anyway, <laughs> man, that's exciting. And then Ernie this morning, man, that dude just getting with it. I don't know if y'all know it, but, but uh, he, he's not from Kentucky. He's from Kentucky, all right? Get it right. Man, I love, I love it when people get fired up in the presence of God. And we're fired up this morning because, man, we're bringing some word to you about the signature of God and what God wants to do in your life. Before I go any further, if you're a guest here with us today, if it's your first time here with us at River City, we'd like to say welcome to River City. We hope you're enjoying yourself this morning. We do. We're getting to where our first service is starting to to fill in, and we're starting to see a lot of people come that 9 a.m. too, and certainly see a lot of guests in there. And and we always say, like, like Ernie said this morning, he hit the nail on the head, really, when he said, if you come in here, you don't, there's no, there's no project, just welcome home, man. Kick your shoes off, make yourself at home. You're one of us, and we'd like to welcome you to be one of us at any moment you'd like to be. So this morning, we, we, we're kicking, we're moving on in this series. Uh, the first week of the series, we looked at transformation. We really looked at that concept, that idea that really, you know, you got to question yourself. If there's no change in my life, and there's no transformation in my life, do I really know Jesus? And, and I know this is pretty hard, it's pretty tough, and I, I, we told y'all opening this series, this is probably going to be our toughest series of the year, because we believe God's getting ready to do something here with this church. He's going to use this church to do something in this city. This church has been here for, for, this year makes 96 years this church has been in Waco, Texas. Started in a, y'all heard the story last week, started in a chicken coop, that's why we brought the uh, barnyard uh, uh, <laughs> wood back, no. But we started Chicken Coop, and a woman by the name of Georgia Powers got it going. There's a reason this church has been here for this long. We've been, we've been praying for years. We've been, we've been at battle on our knees for years, praying. And I believe God is about to use this church for something in this city. We're about to see that. And guess what? Church ain't this building. Church is not this organization. You're the church. God's about to use you to do something in this kingdom. And I believe that, okay? So this morning, we, we, and last week, we looked at, we looked on at, at the concept of, of, of God basically moving more in our, it, well, Lord, I just stopped for a minute and forgot where I was going with that. Where was I? Oh, freedom. There we go. But freedom. You, God wants you to experience freedom, but, but in order to have some freedom in my life, I got to put some boundaries in my life. And if you want to join a small group, we can help you with that. You can have your people in your life that will be good relationships, relationships that will help you live for God and help you walk away from yesterday's problems and into God's call for your life. And I believe that. I believe God will send it. Today we're going to look at increase. Everybody say increase. All right, now buckle your seatbelt because this morning we're going, to, we're going to rock and roll a little bit. We'll get with it a little bit and the truth's going to be spoken here. The Word of God is true and every man is a... That's what we're going to let the Word speak. And I told you a couple of weeks ago, you may not trust me, but you can trust His Word. All right. And this morning, I'm going to get on. I'm going to get on something. We're going. We're going to look at what increase, how increase comes in our life. And the next week, Pastor is going to wrap this thing up. 
there's, when it comes to, to, to the success my dad has had as a pastor in the past and things that's gone on in his life, God, is, God, God uses that guy because he has, he has faith. He really does believe God can do what God said he'd do because God changed his life completely. A man that did come, come out of the world and God just turned him completely around and called him to, to pastor and that's what he does and I'm telling you he can do that in your life today. There might be some pastors sitting in here and you may be walking in with a drug addiction today or you may be walking in with some problems in your life, addictions. We even talk about pornography and all those types of things. The addictions you'll walk in with and I tell you today God can turn your life around and there's no telling who he's calling you to be. We believe that. But next week, he's going to focus on the power that God wants you to walk in. And I believe God's going to pour out his spirit. Last week was a experience that now message. This week's going to be a walk it out this week message, if y'all are cool with that. This week might not be one of them deals where we're going to walk out. We're going to have a big altar call at the end. Everybody's going to be on board with it because it's kind of a step on toes a little bit. And it's not because I want to do that. It's because God has called us to, to, to speak the truth. Okay? Shame on me if I don't speak the truth. All right, so as we're getting in it, go ahead and look at the person next to you. Tell them you're looking good this morning. Make sure it's your spouse. Look at the person on the other side of you and tell them you look like you need Jesus. Whew. Last night was a rough one. <laughs> That's all right. Come on to church anyway. <laughs> Hey guys, everybody's welcome here. We mean that. This morning, I want, I want to open up kind of on a concept this morning. I heard a pastor, one of my good, a, a guy I've known for a long time and I've gotten to know a little bit over the years and he's a great, he's one of my favorite pastors, pastor of a church called Hope City down in, in Houston, Texas. And, and um, he's somebody who I've, I've gotten to hear speak a lot and, and got to know a few times over, over life and, and a great guy. And he, he heard him talking about uh, math, mathematics today. And where, where are my math people at in here? Any, any math people? No, okay, like one of them went, ooh. That's what you call a math leet, okay? <laughs> I'm joking. How, how many of my people here say, man, I hate math? <laughs> yeah, there we go. See, that's, the, that's my people right there. Math. I was good with math. I was an A-B student. Math, I was doing great, man. And then I got to one grade, and they put down a problem in front of me, and it had letters in it. That ain't math. That's English. I went to I went to school I went to school in Louisiana for a while in those very very important years for mathematics in uh, Louisiana. If you don't know anything about Louisiana, Louisiana's Louisiana school school system at that time was awesome. They were only awesome because they were not dead last uh, in testing in the nation. And we always said in Louisiana, "Thank God for Mississippi, or we'd be dead last." And so. Uh, <laughs> And so those were probably some rough years for me, and I struggle with math a little bit. But one thing I know is when you start learning about math, my daughters are, are in kindergarten, they're learning about all that stuff. When you start learning about math, what's the first thing, the first concept you start with? Anybody know? Addition. Good job. And once you get that addition down, what do you do? You learn about? Right, there you go. Once you learn subtraction, we move on, and you learn about? Beautiful. And then when I learn about multiplication, then I can move on to? Bingo. All right, now here's what happens. You can't jump from addition straight on to multiplication. And what we do is, and what we talked about on that first week in this series was really what I need to add to my life. I need the presence of God in my life so that transformation can take place. And then last week what we looked at was 
God, what do I need to subtract from my life? And then what God's going to do is he says, I'm going to multiply things in your life. And that's what we're going to focus on today. And then he moves on to, I'm going to divide out that multiplication that I added to you. And, we're, and it's going to make a difference in this world. Now, Chris, why are you getting into this? A lot of us like addition and multiplication, but we don't like subtraction and division. Why? Because I don't, I don't, want, I don't want conviction in my life. I told you we're going to be real for a minute. I don't want, I don't want conviction in my life. And y'all want you to sit up there and shut up about that stuff, preacher. And I want you to just talk about what I like. That's called a false prophet. And here at River City, we don't believe in lying to you. And I also believe this. If I preach about what I'm about to preach about, I'm going to stand in judgment for what I preached about. And I'm going to have to stand before God. And he's going to say, well, did you do it? So understand that what I've been talking about, I'm very clear that I've got to do it in my life. And God has worked on me. We've been just come out of 21 days of prayer, and my God, woo! Anybody been at 21 days of prayer? Let me hear y'all if you've been here. Yeah. We've been here at 6, o'clock, 6 a.m. every morning getting a hold of God, and God's been moving in lives and changing things in people's lives. He's changed me over this 21 days of prayer. And I'm here to tell you right now, I'm not the same after this one. Why? Because God pointed at an area of my life and he said, that one, I've let you get by, but that one, subtract that. And I did. And I'm, I'm here to tell you this morning, if you will subtract things from your life, there is a power that will move. There's a multiplication. God will multiply your gifts. And, and, and he, there was a power that will come from that. But first, we've got to be obedient to the Scripture. And that's what we got to do. And this morning, I want to hang with me this morning. I want to tell you something. Out of Ephesians 2 and 10 it says this For we are God's what? He has created us what? In who? So we can do the what? The who? Plan for us when? God has had a plan for you for years. You may be here today and you say, Man, you don't understand. I got sin in my life. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not living the way I should be living. I'm here to tell you this morning, He still loves you, and He's still got a plan for your life. And if you'll just add Him right now, He'll deal with the subtraction later. Right now, focus on Him. Amen. Now listen to me for a second this morning. He had a plan for you. That's why, why is it that as a church we say we're not for, we're not big on abortion and things like that? Why? Because the Bible also says that when you were in your mother's womb, that he had plans for you. Now, I'm not trying to get political. So I love it when people say, now you're getting political. No, 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 I'm sorry. When you start studying those concepts and you start looking at that, when you, when you, when you, when you start looking into what's going on, only 95, about 95% of abortions that are performed in this country right now, they are performed simply in the name of birth control. You know what that means? That means I'm saying I'll do what I want, when I want, with who I want, and I will not pay a price for it. Let me tell you something. Why, Chris, why are you talking about this this morning? Because this week I've been watching stuff that's been floating across Christian magazines, and I've, I've, I, I'm, I'm very seldom appalled, but this week I found myself clutching my pearls and going, oh, I am appalled. 
I, I'm blown away at where Christians is headed to. And I, I've said this before, I went on a whole rant that if somebody got it on video, it probably would have got me in trouble down the road. But I'm going to say it again. I'm not going to go there. I went there a while back and I'm not going to step on it anymore. I'm going I'm to move. That's a, that's a pile of poo and I'm not going to step in it today. In Jesus' name. But I will say this. Look up the history of Planned Parenthood. Look up the history of these abortion people. Look them up. You want to talk about hate? You want to talk about agendas? You want to talk about secret societies trying to do junk in people? Chris, why are you talking about this? Because the devil is trying to kill God's plan in this earth. And it's time as a church we stand up and say, nah, not anymore. Why, well, Chris, I don't know why I just, I just stepped on that one, but I did. And I'm moving on. I'm, the reason, listen, listen, we can't twist Scripture to fit our agenda. we got to twist our life to fit His plan. And if you want to increase, it means you do it God's way. And this morning for just a minute, and I know I, I usually joke a lot and I cut up a lot. And I love to joke and cut up. If you, if you talk to me after service, we can, we can have a good old time, okay? But today it's going to get a little serious. And I feel, I feel led to do this and to go into this. And I'm going to listen to Genesis 1, 1 through 3. says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was now let me tell you something. He did all that he did, making all that he made. And in the scripture right before that, what did he say about you? He said that you are his masterpiece. You are his workmanship, as someone, I just heard someone say it. That's another way to say it. You are his, ma what is a masterpiece? A masterpiece is an artist's greatest work. And I don't care what you think about yourself in this place this morning. I don't care what's happened in your past. I don't care what has come into your life that has thrown you off track. The fact of the matter is God still calls you his masterpiece and that is exactly who you are. I don't care who you say you are and you may look at yourself in the mirror and say you're just a loser, you're worthless, you're a failure. God says, no, -uh, I don't make trash. You are my masterpiece. And what he wants to do for you is to bring light into your life. He wants to light up your world. I was looking at Solomon in the scripture. And, and when, you, when, you look at, when you look at Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3, he did something that was very big. He, he, he moves into the place. Now he's the king of Israel. Now he has his moment. And when he goes to God, he does something. We see at 1 Kings. And remember, just before this, he's actually telling God, God, you've called me to lead a great people. When I look out in this room right now, I see a great people. You are the bride of Christ. You're a great people. That's who you are. It's an honor to get to lead. But listen to this for a second. So what does he do when he goes to God? He says, so give. He said, you've called me to live, to, to lead a great people. So here's what I ask. Give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? And the Lord was pleased that Solomon asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for a, for a long life or wealth for yourself. Because that's what a lot of folks want to do. They want to jump into it. They want to ask for wealth for themselves. God, make me rich. And what I'm about to talk about, there's two ways people like this, this subject talked about. They either like it not talked about at all. <laughs> Are they like it only talked about when, he, when you're telling me how I'm going to get rich? But listen to what he says right here. He says, you haven't asked for long life or wealth for yourself. 
nor have you asked for death, the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice. He goes on verse 12. He says, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. He said, I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor there ever will be. And he goes on in verse 13. I like this. He says, moreover. Everybody say moreover. This is the big part. Because you asked for that, I'm going to give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. What you ask for is important. Ask for the right things. I can ask God for a bunch of money. I can ask God for a bunch of talent. I can ask God for a bunch of time on my life. Or I can ask God to lead me and guide me in His perfect will so that I walk out who He has called me to be. And let me tell you something. We go to God with a lot of petitions sometimes. We got a lot of, we got a lot of things we ask Him for. We, but, but at the end of the day, if we'll focus on what He's called us to be, you're going to find joy in contentment in life. Forget about happiness. Happiness is a feeling. We talked about that. We preached about that. The happiness is a feeling. You'll feel it, though, when you have joy and contentment. But if I'm focusing on what makes me feel better, that's how I get myself into addiction. That's how I get myself into bondage. That's how I get myself into sexual immorality. That's how I get myself. Why? Because it feels good. Let me tell you something. Dogs know what knows what feels good. We ain't animals. We're, we are literally the body of Christ. I know that's pretty base right there, but I'm going to keep moving. Listen to this for a second. John 1, 1 through 5 says this in the NIV. It says, in the beginning was the what? And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who's he talking about? Jesus. He says, he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I'm here to tell you this morning, let me just for a few minutes shine some light into the darkness. If you'll let y'all, y'all, y'all let me do that this morning. Some people said, yeah. Some people I said, I don't know. <laughs> Hang with me this morning. I'm gonna get on some things. We always talk about what we give, and we want increase in our life, but we got to take care of the little things in order for the big things to work out. Remember it was the church at Ephesus who God said, you do all these things, you do all these great works, but I, my problem with you is you forgot your first love. What does that mean? He, he, said, he told him, he said, go back and take care of that and I'll be alright with you. And this morning, I, I, want, I want to say some things to you. I want to just drop some things into your spirit and I want to say this to you. You may not trust me, but you can trust the Word of God this morning, okay? Now, these are some pivotal messages right now because I believe God's getting ready to do something in this church. That means we got to preach the truth and prepare ourselves for what God's getting ready to do. The harvest is great. There's hungry people out there and they're ready, but we can't do it. The church, we have to be prepared. God's not going to send people to an unprepared church. He's going to send people to a church that's ready to, to disciple people and lead them and guide them in the ways of righteousness. And that's what you are called. You know what I'm, I'm called to do? I work in the five-fold ministry. It doesn't say I'm called to do the ministry. It says that I'm called to equip you to do the work of the ministry. You are all, our concept here, you can, you can see it on our website. We say it, we're clear about it. Every 
member is a minister. You are called to minister to the world around you. Amen. Come on. Now get out there and let's do it. But it starts with some things. And this is, this is where we gotta, we're going to move in this morning into some things. I'm going to talk about some things that, that are uncomfortable. Psalms, Psalms 114, 14 through 15, King James, it says this. May the Lord give you increase. Everybody say increase. More and more. God wants to increase you. God wants, God wants to prosper you. He does. He even wants you to enjoy it. But listen to this for a second. You and your children, may you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. Listen, God doesn't just bless you so that you can hang your blessings on the gallery of self, though. What do you mean by that? I mean, when I get blessed so I can go show what I got. Look at me. Everybody, everybody wants what I got. Don't, something, you know what's bad is when we like it when people envy us. That ain't good when you shove it in there. Yeah, look at that. Especially when, you, when you're a grown man and you're going back to your high school reunion in that car that you rented and acted like you bought it. Come on, man. That's ridiculous. I just went to my 15-year reunion the other day, and it's funny watching how some folks are And I'm sitting there looking at them going, oh, no, I remember you. <laughs> but you know what we do? We have this tendency. We're trying to impress people from our childhood. Grow up. You know what happens is we end up living lives where we're trying to, we're trying to, we're trying to fulfill that hunger because of the lack we had when we were kids. It's true. That is childish things. The Bible talks about putting away childish things and looking on to the things ahead of us and focusing on what's before me and what really matters. And let me tell you something. God wants you to have that new Escalade. I speak it in Jesus' name. Y'all receive that. Come on, if you want to Escalade, where you at this morning? Let me, come on, lift your hands. Somebody said, no, I don't want to Escalade, Chris. I want a Land Rover. All right, in Jesus' name, give them that Land Rover. You can enjoy the maintenance on that when it comes your way, though. Yeah, buddy. My wife, my wife said, I want, a, I want a Mercedes G-Wagon. In Jesus' name, receive that. Can I drive it sometimes? No. <laughs> but listen, God don't mind you having that stuff. He don't mind you having it. But what he's not interested in is when I'm building up for those things, but I have not taken care of the first fruits. I should probably walk away, but I ain't. I'm going to walk right back into it and keep talking about it for a second. This is, this is about time, treasure, time. Treasure is just one of the points on here. And what a lot of people here got the treasure part right, but they don't have the time and talent part right. Now, I'm being honest with you for a second. Where your time goes is important. When you, where you put your kids' time is important. When, you, when, you, when you're unfaithful to church and you don't make sure your kids are faithful to church, but you're faithful to everything else, and then when they graduate high school, you run to the church and say, pray for them. They're not living for God. <laughs> Listen to me for a second. This, I'm just being honest this morning. I'm being honest. If you're against here today, I know it sounds rough. This is, we don't preach like this all the time. I'm uncomfortable. I had to get myself pumped up to come up here and do this today. I was sitting back there just, you can, you can ask to Tim. He was back there, but our production guy's getting ready right before, and I'm sitting back there just like, whoa, here we go. Oh, Jesus. 
It's an uncomfortable subject, and I know it. Listen to me for a second. The brushstroke of God on his children is blessing and overflow. He wants you to overflow. But it's not so I can do the, here, look at what I got. God don't mind you having that stuff. He really don't. Go get after it. But here's a question. Are you making a difference with what he has blessed you with? That's where the question comes in. Jesus came that we would have life and that we would have it more, what? Abundantly. And here's a concept. Well, what is living more abundantly? It's where we begin to live with the understanding that God has blessed us with more than we need so that we can make an eternal difference in the lives of others. Let me tell you something. A lot of churches run around feeding people and they're doing all that kind of stuff. I heard of a church the other day. They said, we're, it's, it's our new way of doing it. We're going to feed the hungry. We're going to do all that stuff, but we're not going to talk to them about Jesus anymore. I said, well, you missed the point. God is more worried about your eternal soul than he is whether or not your tummy is hungry tonight. I believe in feeding the sick and feeding the hungry and praying for the sick and doing all those things. But I believe also that the Holy Spirit wants to move into their situation. He wants to pull them up out of that. He wants to prosper them. He wants to set them on a path of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, our generation, my generation has been the worst generation for this. We, just, we, we, we talk about our works. And, and what's so funny is we're the same generation that says, don't you tell me that what I'm doing is wrong. And then we flip around and say, but look at all these great things I do, but don't talk about the bad stuff I do. I'm speaking to my generation for a second. We, we, we need to suck it up, grow some spines, and walk upright. I'm 34 years old. That means I'm a millennial. I'm an elder millennial is what that means. What's funny is Gen Z's coming up. We got some Gen Zers over there. Where's my Gen Z at? Let me hear y'all. That's all those that are in high school or you just graduated in the last couple years. Where you at? Yeah, there. These are, you know why that, you know that kind of some of them got pumped and some didn't? Because they're the more analytical generation. And the fact of the matter is, their generation's looking at mine and going, y'all are dumb. <laughs> they are. They really are. And what, I, I love this generation because they're pretty sharp, and you can reason with them, and I like that. I like that. I, I, I love that. But here's, the Word of God is reasonable. I can tell you that right now. And I want to focus on something for just a second. I want to talk about the giving of treasure and these concepts, and then I'm going to move on because I don't want to spend all day here. Okay? This is not my goal. I'm not, this message really ain't about your money. This message is about your heart. Listen to me for a second. There was Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. They went and sold. You can look this up. They went and sold, they went and sold a piece of property. And then they came to God and they said, here is everything that we have. Problem is, it wasn't everything they had. They went and hid some away for themselves because they came to God and said, I trust in you, God. Sort of. And the reason we don't have increase in our life is because so many of us just sort of trust in God. And God's looking at you and saying, if you'll just go ahead and go the full distance and trust me. But what they did was they lied. So the man of God looked at him and he said right there in that passage of Scripture, he said, you're lying. And they said, oh, of course we're not lying. This is everything we got. No, what they did was they tucked some away. It's not that, it's not that they didn't give all that they had. It's that they lied to God. 
And what we do is we lie to ourselves, and when we lie to ourselves, we lie to God. The lie doesn't start, the lie does not start when you, when you lie to someone else. It started inside of you. The first lie I ever told was not when the serpent said that you should so surely be like God, Eve. No, the first lie I ever told was when Lucifer looked in the mirror and said, I think I'm, I'm as good as he is. What does that mean? Self-deception is your greatest enemy. A lot of us are blaming devils for things the devils never did. We did it to ourselves. Come on, that's good words. You can go and put that down somewhere. I feel that in the name of Jesus. Another story, we had the widow. We had the widow with two mites. What ended up happening right there? I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to stay here because I'm, I'm not trying to be negative this morning. The fact of the matter is what ended up happening right there was uh, God struck them dead because they lied to the Holy Spirit. That's New Testament. And we say, Chris, I don't like that story. They don't like all 66 books. And he goes on and he says, he says the, they didn't, then we see in Luke chapter 21, Jesus is there. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in, uh, put in two very small copper coins. They called them two mites. That's about like two pennies. She had to put in, here's my two pennies. And all them rich people, you can imagine, all sitting around looking at her going, hmm. I was somewhere the other day with some of our church folks, and we were around some of them yuppie Christians. Y'all ever been around yuppie Christians? No? Y'all ain't yuppie Christians, are you? I'm leaving if y'all yuppie Christians. Right. <laughs> no, we was around some of them yuppie ones. You know, you know, the ones that are buttoned up perfectly. The pearl graspers. And here our, here our group came in, and we're, we're, my group, our group is true Texans. When we show up, we're we probably a bunch of us going to go out to eat here in a little bit. And when we do, we walk in, and we're not trying to be rude, but we just walk in. We just had a great time in the presence of God. We're like, woo, yeah, boy, come on. <laughs> Anybody, y'all know what I'm talking about? We're them happy Christians. We're here. Like, yeah, man, we're having a great time. This is awesome. We, we didn't learn how to be polished perfect. And I looked, and I noticed some folks, and I watched somebody just, And that's kind of like them rich people right there. There's nothing wrong with rich. There's nothing wrong with being rich. There's nothing wrong with having money. If you're rich here, praise God. I'm glad you, you're rich. I really am. Now, now give you tithing in Jesus' name. All right. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> But listen to me for just a second. These people there, they're, 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 they're looking down on her. And she, she's coming. She brought everything she had. And what did Jesus say while they're sitting around looking snooty? He said, this poor widow, widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Now, we're not asking you for everything you got in this place. But God absolutely has a plan, and he laid it out. We see that in first fruit giving. That's why I believe it. I was taught on it. I never would teach on this kind of stuff before, and the reason I wouldn't teach on this kind of stuff before was because it felt self-serving. And then I read a book called The Blessed Life by, by Pastor Robert Morris. He pastors a church called Gateway Church in Dallas. You ever heard of Carrie Job? Yeah, that's her path. No. Listen, I only, need, I only need positive feedback here, okay? That's where, that's where she comes out of. That's Gateway Church in Dallas. And so Robert Moore wrote a book called, called the, the Blessed Life. And this book is so awesome when I read it and when I saw the power of giving, I saw the power uh, that, that is in that concept, I realized if I don't teach other people about this, I am doing 
them harm. I've got to speak the truth. Because my dad raised me to do this and I do it. And God has blessed me because of that. I'm, if I'm, I, I'm holding back the blessings of God from people. So you want increase in your life, it starts at being obedient to the scriptures. The difference between living a cursed life and a blessed life is simply this. The blessed life is getting an inner tube, blowing that bad boy up, putting it in the river of life that God that flows down from the throne room of God, and just saying, God, take me away. Whatever you want to do, I'll do it your way. Cursed life is when I jump off that inner tube and I start trying to swim upstream. You curse yourself. And I'm going to show you in just a second this in Scripture, but before I, want to, before I even go there, I want, I want to make this point to you. I want to tell you that God judges the sacrifice. A lot of people don't realize this, but there's two judgments. And a lot of you are coming to church and you're afraid of judgment because you're afraid to stand and you're afraid God's going to tell you you ain't going to heaven. This morning, I'm not talking about heaven or hell. This morning, I'm talking about increase. Everybody say increase. Now, I want you to go ahead and put that up for me real quick if you can, Jolene. And look at this right here real quick. These are the two judgments. You have the great white throne of judgment. That's for unbelievers. That ain't for you. Can somebody say thank you, Jesus? Amen. That's a positive feedback. Thank you, Cheryl. This is it for a second. There's a great white hall, of, hall, a great white throne of judgment, and then there's the judgment seat of Christ. The great white throne of judgment, that's the, that's the only for unbelievers. The judgment seat of Christ is only believers. What's going to happen is Jesus is going to return, and you and I, when he comes for us, we're actually going to stand before him, and at this point what he's going to do is it's, the ba- it's going to be the basis for rewards or denial of the rewards. Now you say, Chris, I'm covered in the blood. I don't know why you're talking about all this giving stuff. Because here's the thing. I want to build up for myself. I want to build up for myself treasure in eternity. This is only 70 years. I only promised 70 years on this earth, and that's all I get. Why would in the world would I build, worry about all my treasure here when I know I got something coming there? And this is where rewards come from. This is, but, but here's what happens over in the great white throne of judgment. What is the final result of that? Eternal condemnation. I don't want that. I don't want that. What, what is the issue? It's faith in Christ as Savior. What is the issue with what you and I are going to face? Faithfulness to Christ as our Lord. And faithfulness is not something that we're as comfortable with anymore. You take that down. Faithfulness is not something we're as comfortable talking about anymore. But I'm here to tell you this morning that God is coming back for a group of people that have been faithful to Him. If you look back at that, come on, amen. Now, why are you talking about that? I'm talking about this for, for this reason. I wanted to show you that for this reason. A lot less about the money. I don't, I, I ain't even worried about that. Don't, don't, don't focus on that right now. Focus on this because this is where I'm really wanting to focus at today. Time and talent. We see a story of talents in Matthew chapter 25, and this, this chapter is all about judgment. Right before this, he talks, about, he talks about ten virgins. Five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. Y'all know what the wise ones did? They kept, they kept themselves prayed up. They kept their oil full for their lanterns. But the unfoolish ones didn't. They didn't pay attention to those things. And when, the, when, the, when, when God returned for them, when, when the bridegroom came for them, they were not prepared to go with him. And this morning I want to focus for a second though on the next story in there. This is a parable that Jesus gives. And he goes on after this and he talks about judgment. This is what he's literally talking about, okay? Listen to this. A master's getting ready to go away and he has eight talents. And this is kind of talking about a portion of money there in Scripture. But I want to talk about it in a literal sense this morning. What talents has God given you? 
And what are you doing with them? Listen to this for just a second. He gave them eight, he gave them eight talents among the three servants. To one of them he gave five talents. To another he gave two. And to the last one he gave one. And in this passage of Scripture, what ends up happening, he goes away for a while. And while he's gone away, that one with five talents, he immediately went, he invested it, and he doubled his master's money. Or he doubled his talents. And then the, the second one, he goes and he gives his two and he doubles his to four. But the last one who was given one, he went and he dug a hole, he threw his talent in there, and he covered it up and he hid it. Now this morning I want to ask you, are you hiding your talent? God has given you things and we'll use it for my own increase. But when we say as a church, hey, serve in the dream team. Hey, come to growth track. A lot of people sometimes, they don't want to do that. And I'm here to tell you this morning, God's going to multiply you if you'll give him what he's already given you. I'm talking about time and talent right now. What ends up happening is he comes back. The master, the, that first one he told him, master, I don't just have five for you. I, I got ten for you. And he handed off that tent to him, and the master looked at him. He said just what Jesus said he's going to say to us when we get there at the, at, the, at, the, at the pearly gates one day. He said to him, he said, well done, my good and faithful servant. The second one came. He said, I turned two into four. He said, well done, my good and faithful servant. But the third one came. Now, here's a key point right here. The way you view God is highly, highly important. When he came to him, he said, master, I know that you are a harsh, harsh man. If you, the, the, the eyes of religion or the lenses of religion cause us to view God as a harsh master, but I'm here to tell you right now that lenses of relationship help you realize that His grace is sufficient and that He loves you and He's not harsh, but He's giving you a way out of your bondage, out of your sin, out of your addictions. And listen to me for just a second. What does he do? He said, I know you're a harsh man, so what I did, I didn't want to lose that talent. So I rest. So he made an excuse is what he did. He went and he made an excuse and he buried that talent. So when the master returned, he said, where's my talent? What would you do with it? He said, I got that one talent. He said, really? That's all, that's all you did? That's what I did. And what did he do? The master cast him into outer darkness. Why? Now, out of crib. Man, Chris, but this is rough, man. I know. I, I know. <laughs> it's the word. This morning, I want to tell you this morning, listen, God cares about what you do with what, you've given, what He's given you. He's given you talents, and if I hide His talents from, that He's given me, from, they're not my talent, they're His talent. It's like a while back, somebody told me, I'm pretty good at reading people. I have, I have a really good sense of being able to read people. I looked at them and said, you ain't got a sense of being able to read people. That's called discernment. It ain't about you, partner. And when we, when we realize it's not, it's not about me, it's about how I can work in the kingdom of God, how other, I can help bring others to Christ, that's when we begin to realize just the effect, how God can increase, how God can move me. He wants to multiply, and then he wants to divide that out so that others, can, the lives can be changed. And this morning, I want you to hang with me for a second. I want to make this point to you one more time. This is where we begin to live with the understanding that God has blessed us with more than we need so that we can make an eternal difference in the lives of others. I want to ask you this question this morning. And if you're a mom and a dad, what eternal difference are you making in your kids' lives? And if you're doing that, I want to ask you, what, what eternal difference are you making in your friends' lives? And if you're doing that, 
I want to ask you, what eternal difference are you making in others around you, in your community's life? Listen to this. It says this in 2 Corinthians 9, 6-11. It says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a what kind of giver? Cheerful. Now I want to focus right here. A lot of people take this scripture, this passage of scripture and they say, see there Chris? I decide what I give. He gave you a way. What you're deciding is if I'm going to do it his way or my way. God, I'll tip you a little time. I said this. We always talk about 10% in giving of our treasures, all this stuff. What about 10% of our time? If I gave 40 hours a week to my workplace so that I could increase my own wealth, what if I gave, what if I gave four hours out of that week to the kingdom of God to make a difference in the world around me? Well, that, that's a big deal. If I work 50 hours, what if, I, what if I give five hours that week to make a difference? What if I get on a dream team and I serve? I'll make a difference. What if, I, what if I get on that serve team that's over there at Shepherd's Park? We got a Saturday serve team now, guys. That, that, a lot of you guys are off work on Saturday. It'll only take you about an hour. Stop on by. We're going to stock those shelves for Shepherd, Shepherd's Park and get ready because Thursday there's going to be hurting people coming through there who need food and they don't have a way to make it. So, so they're going to feed. They feed over 600, over 600 families on a weekly basis. Hello. But here's why we support Shepherd's Heart. Because old Bob, who he's not here today, but he was here last week. Oh, Bob, he's, he's real clear about something. I'm not doing this for my own game. I, I'm not doing this so that everybody say, look at what, how good Bob is. No, I'm doing this because I want to see God move in their lives. And I want to see them come to the realization that Jesus really is their Lord. And he'll pull them out of their situation. That's important, and that's why we support that. Listen, listen to this for a second. God put away in there. Go look in Malachi. You can read it. He did, and then you say, "Well, Chris, that was Old Testament. God, that's under old law. It ain't even under the law. It predates the law." You can go back to Methuselah and Abraham. When Abraham brought his first fruits of Methuselah, I'm, I'm, no, I'm sorry. Excuse me, Melchizedek. He brought his first fruit to Melchizedek. And then what we see down the road is this. We see what ends up happening is that Jesus, we never hear about Melchizedek anymore really. And then Jesus pops up on the scene and it says that he's from the order of Melchizedek. When I'm giving, I'm not giving to these men. I'm not, the Bible says this. I'm not giving to men who have offering plates. I'm, listen, you're not giving to me. You're not giving to him. If that's your attitude, you're, you're viewing it all wrong. You're giving to God. That's why when I give, I just say, Jesus, it's yours. I don't care what happens with it. That's between them and you. And you and, but me, I gave. It's yours. That comes to your time and your talent, guys. That, that is important things. You say, well, I feel like I'm wasting my time. You're not wasting your time. I just had this conversation with this group back here. It's, you're not wasting your time. Listen, he loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every what? Good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies need to the sower and the bread of, for food will also supply the, and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the, the, the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous in every occasion. And through us, 
your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. What is he saying right there? I'm going to enrich you. I'm going to increase you for the purpose of my kingdom. And you know what? I, I love you so much that when you get when you when you put my kingdom first, I'm going to let you enjoy it too. You can go buy that Escalade by God. You can go buy that Range Rover. You can go do what you want with it. As long as you don't sin with it. Jesus, come on now. Now let me tell you something. We're not. If you don't have the first things right, if you have not begin your walk with God today, I don't want you to. Don't focus on you. You need to begin your relationship with God today. If you haven't repented and turned away and turned to Jesus and begin to talk to Jesus and build a relationship with Him, don't focus on this. That's your first. That's the first thing you need to focus on. Because that's the most important part. But here's what happens: is I find people who are truly in relationship with Jesus, they get these concepts. And they cheerfully do it. Now, if we want to increase, and next week we're going to talk about power. Give me the power. Am I willing to give what he's already given me? What I'm doing when I give of my time is I'm telling him, God, God, I give you my time and what he restores, what he gives, gives back to me. He looks back at me and he just simply says, thank you for your time. I'm going to add more to your life. God, I give you of my wealth. And, and when I say wealth, it, I mean just money. You know what he says? He says, he says thank you for being obedient. Because obedience, obedience is greater than sacrifice. I talked about sacrifices being judged earlier. And he does, he does judge our sacrifices. He absolutely does. We saw that with Ananias and Sapphira. We saw that with the widow. But obedience is even better than sacrifice. When there's conviction in your heart, there's conviction in your life, be obedient to it. Don't turn your back to it. That's when, if you keep doing that over and over and over and over again, God, the Bible tells you you can be turned over to a reprobate mind. I'm going to tell you right now, I, I pray that constantly. God, never let me be a reprobate. God, let your conviction always be in my life. Always convict me when I'm doing wrong, God. But we, we, we misunderstand conviction. We call it condemnation. No, condemnation is what people do. Condemnation points a finger, but conviction points the way. We really got to get that concept this morning. Listen to me for just a second. When you give and you're faithful to the kingdom of God, big things happen. Yesterday, I had a phone call with my, with my buddy Elvis Bly. Elvis Bly has moved, officially moved back to Myanmar. He's been here for 27 years. And God called him home to lead in Burma. So he went home. Myanmar is Burma. That's what they used to call it if you never heard of Myanmar. And yesterday I said, what you doing this weekend, man? He said, I'm about to go preach somewhere. I said, awesome, dude. What's going on? He said, Christian, never believe this. I'm getting to preach the first service in the first church in a state, one of the first churches in a state, a state where nobody's been able to get into. It's heavily Buddhist. There's been civil war. There's been murder. It's, it's close to the Golden Triangle. It's one of those areas where it's just, you just don't go. He said, Chris, we just opened a church there. Souls. Are being saved. Guess, guess what? Come on, that's all right. A major portion of what you give here goes to Myanmar just for that work. Guys, let me tell you right now, you, when you give of your, of your money, when you give of your time, when you give of your talent, you are making a difference. Another story I heard this week, and it, it blew my mind as our musicians get ready to come back. Another church, they had been given to a, a cause in the Middle East. And there was an area in the Middle East that they were having trouble reaching into. The story goes that 
little boy, a little Muslim boy, he wasn't even a Christian. He was out playing in the backyard, and he got into some of his dad's chemicals, some of the fertilizers, and something happened, and he mixed some of them playing, and it ignited the chemicals, and he lit on fire. The father saw this from the house, and he ran out to help him. He didn't make it in time, and the son took off running. And by the time the father got to him, the son was in the neighbor's yard on the ground, and the fire was put out, and the neighbors were standing around. They rushed him to the hospital. They got him to the hospital. The doctors looked him over. His clothes had been burned off of him. The doctors looked at the dad, and he said, Sir, your son doesn't have a single burn on his body. Now listen to this for a second. Hang with me. Not only that, not a single hair on his head has been singed. The father was so grateful. He took the son. This is a true story. It just happened this last year. The father was so grateful. He took the son back and he took him over to the neighbor's house. He said, son, you need to thank them for putting that fire out. The son looked at him and said, dad, they didn't put the fire out. He said, son, now, now, now you're lying. You got to be grateful. You tell them thank you for putting that fire out. He looked at him and said, But Dad, they didn't put the fire out. The man in white, he put me out. And he looked at the neighbors, and the neighbors looked at him and said, When we got to him, the fire was out. This church had been investing in that area, and it was an underground movement. They were taking in DVDs of this thing they called it was a it was a little documentary about Jesus. And they were showing people this DVD. People, they were telling people at the underground church about it. Come on over and I want to show you a video. And two weeks later after this happened, they were just so happened to be there. And they were watching this, this, this documentary called Jesus. And when Jesus came on screen, the little boy looked at his dad and he smiled and he pointed. He said, Dad, that's the man that put me out. Now listen to me this morning as we're closing. That day, they repented. They gave their life to Jesus. And that night, they were baptized in His name. Why? Because when you give of your time, when you give of your treasure, when you give of those talents, you make a difference. And if you want to truly increase in His kingdom, you want to see God blossom you into a life you never believed you could have, be obedient to His Word. Give of yourself to His kingdom. There's four things I want to leave you with this morning. Four brush strokes to increase in your life. Listen, first one is this, put God first. Second one's this, it's simple, be a good steward of what you got. Third one is don't downplay your gift. You may think, no, Chris, my gift, my gift doesn't translate in the kingdom. Yes, it does. And you can start growth track today. You can join a dream team. You can get involved. Maybe you want to teach Sunday school. Maybe you're called to teach. You can do that today. And the last one is this, live for the more. 
I want to leave you with this last concept. Mother Teresa said this. She said, I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the water to create many ripples. Today, I wonder if you can cast your stone. I wonder this week, if, and maybe you've heard what I said and you're a, little, you're a little put off by it. Maybe you doubt what I'm saying. I want you to be open to God today and simply just, just go to God this week and ask Him, God, is that man lying? Don't go looking for reasons to not believe what I'm saying. A lot of times that's what we do. God, show me places where I can show that man's wrong. No, no. Ask God. God, let your word of God be let, let your word be true. And every man a liar. If he's a liar, show me. But if it's true, show me. Luke 10 and 2 says this, as these were his instructions to them, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. And this, is my last, this is my very last point today. We should be less worried about our increase here on earth and more worried about our increase in heaven. As we stand up all over the room this morning, as our altar team comes down, I'm going to ask you to do the same thing we did last week. We're going to get out of our seats. And I wonder if, you, if you're here, Chris, I'm willing, to, I'm willing to give of myself. I'm willing to be obedient to the Word of God. If you're that person, I wonder if you'll step out of your seat this morning. Come on, if you're a member here at River City, let's just get out of our seats and join together this morning. Come on down. Be obedient to the Word. Come on. I know this is an unpopular subject, but I'm going to pray over it. And for those here who have doubt on this right now, I'm going to pray God would work on you. I'm going to pray God, God's truth would shine in your heart. And He'll show you if I'm a liar this morning. Here's what I want us to do all over the room. Let's just lift our hands. Even if you're sitting in your pew, if you couldn't come down. When we're done praying in just a second, if you need prayer, you can come down here and you can get prayer from any one of these people. But this morning, I, I, want, I want to be clear about something. If you want to increase in your life, it begins at an altar. This is where it begins. In Jesus' name. God, we thank you for your word to lead us and guide us this morning. Thank you for your truth, God, to show us the way. Now, God, we simply ask, let your spirit come into our situations. Into every situation here represented under the sound of my voice. And God, I pray this morning, God, as we become obedient to your word, God, that your spirit would lead us and guide us in the paths of righteousness. And God, I pray as your spirit moves in this place this morning, God, that you would move in the hearts of these men and women in this room, God, and the talents that you have given them, God, that your conviction would set into our lives, God, and that, God, we would step up and we would be the workers, God, in the field to receive that harvest. And God, I pray over each and every person here that your perfect will would be done in their lives, not our will, but your wills, and we, your will, and we speak it in Jesus' name. As a church, all together today, God, we lift our hands in repentance and in surrender. And we say to you this morning, God, God, we give ourselves to you wholeheartedly, not half-heartedly, God. Take our lives, God, and mold us and make us that masterpiece that you have called us to be in Jesus' name. If you believe that, say it in Jesus' name.